0: If you would, please open up with me and your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Once again, we find ourselves in Luke 2, but we've already done the Luke series, so don't worry, we might not be there next week. Uh, No, we're in a different kind of series, and I reminded you all of this last week, and I'd like to remind you again while you're opening there that uh, this Advent series is intentional in that as I have been praying uh, and, and and as I have been seeking to see exactly what God might desire uh, 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 from from his pulpit here at Centennial for the proclamation of his truth, what do we need? What do our people need? What do Christians need right now in the 21st century? And as I thought more and more about this, as I prayed more and more about this, I began to hone in on something the title of this series is From Definition and Emotion to Definite Experience. What is it to define hope? What is it to define peace? What is it to feel hope or to feel peace? And What is it to experience, capital H, hope, and capital P, peace? I used a story and yes it was a little silly when I laid down but that story of Jesus on the boat while he sleeps I believe actually reveals one of the deepest needs of humankind a reality that God is present in the storm and before we take that down some cliche path some Facebook sharing sweet something that you see on a beautiful background picture it's deeper than that. Why do you think Jesus was sleeping during a raging storm that fishermen thought was going to be the end of them? If not that he had a depth of peace from God in himself because of his perfection, there was no doubt as to what God would do for his people one way. Or the other and so he slept and if in God's providence he awoke perhaps to screaming disciples peace be still but what did he say first do you really remember the story oh you of little faith why would he say that everything in front of them presented something so severe that wouldn't it have been right to wake Jesus up and to witness His power unfold. But it wasn't. Perhaps they hadn't fully experienced peace. Maybe they had heard Jesus preach on it, define it. Maybe they had felt it. But perhaps they had not yet experienced it to the fullness. Of what God's desire is for his people and so we come now to a moment where my prayer is that we would not just experience hope or consider what it means for our life if we haven't and take seriously the prayer that I asked of y'all last week Lord give us hope and that we might apply that now to peace our main point it's dangerously close to a definition peace is a right relationship with God. But don't just define it. Have you experienced that? Do you know that in the depths of your soul? Does it define every second of your existence? Because it does for the Christian. May we wake up to the light if we have our eyes closed. And if we have not yet found the light, may we find it today. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and strong to change hearts. God, uh, I can't do it. Others can't do it for themselves. But you can, by your word. And so, God, oh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you move and stir in us today. Do it in Jesus' name. Amen. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of God, this word, it stands and remains forever. And so we praise God and pray to him that his Holy Spirit would work through his means. His very word. We come now then to the first part of our text. Remember that that this main point, this overarching reality of of trying to transcend definition and, and get past feeling because remember, definition can be known by those who hate God. All of my professors in all of my classes at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, religious studies knew the definition scripturally for what peace is and hated God and hated me too period definitions cannot get you there I know many people who feel so good sometimes (laughs) who feel at peace sometimes (laughs) like myself I mean surely y'all are like me right Uh, where you feel uh, wishy-washy with your feelings they just can't be trusted and I know it sounds harsh but they just can't be trusted we must transcend to see what it is that the Lord has for us, that, that experience that he provides, that foundation of Christ. And so, when we think about peace being a right relationship with God, we think about the experience of relationship. And we see that in four ways. Regarding peace, as we move through our text, verses 22 through 35, the first is that peace is established in obedience to God. The second is that peace is established in revelation from God. The third is that peace is established in praise unto God. And the fourth is that peace is established despite opposition to God. Let's dive in then in verses 22, 23, and 24 to uh, uh, our first point. That that peace is established in obedience to God. Uh, uh, Mary and Joseph had a baby. This is the firstborn of the family. And yes, though there were some very unique circumstances to the birth of the Lord Jesus. You know, the virgin birth. Uh, there was a lot of things that went on they had to kind of go over here to some family in the country you remember Zacharias and Elizabeth out in the country John the Baptist's parents well now they're back perhaps they were here perhaps they were there but wherever they are now they're going to Jerusalem why well I hope you heard the repetition according to the law of Moses to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord it is written as it is said in the law of the Lord over and over there's a super emphasis on the obedience of this faithful family of God because as you read and see what exactly was to take place for that firstborn they had to go and they had to make sacrifice but there's something more here Because this isn't a family, as many of us are, who can get out on our minivans or maybe go on to Google and find those plane tickets. Uh, Perhaps if we wanted to make a a different reference to kind of try to equalize the timing, uh, to get our horses or our camels out of the stable. Or our donkeys, even. No, this family didn't have that mean, those means And we know that from a very easy hint, if we were familiar with God's word, it it comes in verse 24, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's one sacrifice that you could make for a firstborn if you didn't have enough money for a lamb or if you didn't have a flock that had a lamb. They were cheap and easy to get, sold right at the front. For those poor folk those folk who didn't have a lot of land or a lot of money or a lot of horses or a lot of camels or a lot of plane tickets or a lot of cars this was a sacrifice moreover if you think about it and maybe you've done this i'm slightly ashamed but also i'll stand with head held high rebecca and i sometimes in our younger years and sometimes even now have committed for some form of vacation where afterwards we think well maybe next year we could think about something like that again but not this year again (laughs) this was maybe a little too much right surely y'all have felt that maybe in a younger season or something like that where you think you know maybe there was a buy or something you think we can do it but let's be careful next time What did Joseph do on his way to Jerusalem and when they were there did he make chairs and tables? No he didn't have his tools or his wood. Carpenters can't do stuff without that. He closed the shop in obedience to God but it was as natural as rain. It was as easy as pie for them. Why? Well, we see here, as it is written in the law of the Lord, because of what it was said in the law of the Lord, they would go. It was built into their DNA, this faithful couple that God had blessed with His own Son to be the stewards of the Lord Jesus Himself, that that they would, without hesitation, do that which God had commanded, knowing. That God would provide one way or the other. There was a peace found not in their material goods. They didn't really have any. Pigeons and turtle doves. No, their peace wasn't found there. Their peace wasn't found in an ease of life. If it could just be a little easier. If maybe I could just get my head on the pillow without being as tired. It's not where their peace came from. Some of the most restless people I know have the easiest lives. No, peace is established in obedience to God, but but it's not gained from there. It's God-given as, as God is revealing himself over and over and over to Joseph and Mary through the ordinary means because... Uh, This is a knowledge of the word of the Lord that came over time. It wasn't like they had their Bibles. Uh, They might have had a rabbi though. A pastor who said, remember this, Joseph and Mary. Don't forget. Family who said that. It was built into the DNA. And as God blessed in his unit, the family unit, they go. Peace is established there. This right relationship with God is established there. Is that confusing to you? Second point, we're gonna come back, don't worry. Peace is established in revelation from God. Verses 25 through 28, as, as Joseph and Mary are going, uh, albeit, yes, and sacrifice, but, but honestly, ordinarily. It's not, I don't think that, and this is where I'm stepping outside the bounds of scripture a little bit, but if we were to interview Joseph and Mary and say, hey, are you sacrificing unto the Lord to go to Jerusalem? I believe that Joseph and Mary both would say, no, we're not. How could it be a sacrifice if we're doing that which we were gonna do anyways? Okay, so as Joseph and Mary are going, yes, albeit at a sacrifice, but there's the ordinarily going, in obedience to God, knowing that which God expects and desires of them, and them desiring the same thing, there is another character that finds an entrance in this wonderfully true story, Simeon, and he has had revelation from God. A unique revelation, one that we don't receive in the same way, because we have the word of God and, and the canon indeed is closed. We we have something far more superior, is what Jesus told his disciples. We have something far more sure is what Peter told the sojourners, the believers that are spread out in the empire of Rome. We have the very word of God established and carried along by the holy spirit preserved perfectly throughout time and indeed after time stops i've said it here and i'll say it again we'll have the bible in heaven for it is perfect and perfect things go to heaven guaranteed and so here we see a revelation that would be just like the Word of God, but, but before the Word had been established in the way that we have it now. And, and, and God had revealed to Simeon that he would behold the Lord's Christ. And remember, quickly, that, that the Lord's Christ. This isn't Jesus Christ, Christ being his last name. Christ is a, 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 a title. Christ in the Hebrew Messiah, Messiah in the English, anointed one. All of that meaning the king, the one set apart by God to do God's will. And if we got the capital M, Messiah, oh boy, that means that the scriptures are being fulfilled now. And that is what God revealed to Simeon, that he would behold the Lord's capital C Christ, it wouldn't be David. It would be David's greater son. Even greater than Solomon and all his riches. Revelation. Peace is established in Revelation because as God had revealed that we don't know how many years ago it seems like a long time because Simeon mentions now he can die and I don't think it's like me saying Lord you could take me any time in all likelihood he was growing in years many years walking in his life in Jerusalem Wondering where would he behold that which God had revealed to him so strongly? And in Revelation you see that Simeon was going along in the spirit and so not only had God revealed to Simeon one time by his Holy Spirit that he would behold the Lord's Christ but Simeon went from there a changed man as it were carried along by the Holy Spirit and here particularly we see it recorded that the Spirit led him right where he needed to be right in the very moment he needed to be there. establishing a peace through his revelation because God's revelation is a fulfillment what do we get in Genesis chapter one we get what it should look like right it's very good what do we get in Genesis 3 the fall right is what you want to say negative why are y'all so negative it's Christmas time I'm just kidding come on y'all uh no uh, we get something else right We get the person who's going to stomp on the head of the snake and kill him dead. That's what we get. Genesis 3.15, look it up. Proto-evangelion is what the bigwigs like to call it in all the college places. What do you get when God promises Abraham? What do you get when God promises Noah before him? What do you get when God promises the patriarchs, Isaac... And, and, and then Israel, right? It's a man. Israel's a man. With children. With faces that you can behold. You can find Israel. With David. With his lineage. With Daniel. With all of the prophets. Those who suffered turmoil and tumult like Jeremiah and those who saw glory even the glory of Jesus himself like Isaiah you saw revelation and what does Simeon get? he carries on the will of all of those prophets every single one of them starting from Adam every single one of them all the way up until he is the one who beholds God's Christ and peace is established in Revelation it was established then oh but it is established now beyond any of our wildest imaginations and now Jesus tells us that we have it better. It's not my words. That's your Jesus' words. Look it up. I challenge you. Peace is established there in Revelation. Does that surprise you? Are you surprised by that or confused by that? We'll come back to that. Thirdly, peace is established in praise unto God because as Simeon beholds this boy, clearly a boy that he can pick up, and if he is an older gentleman, not to say that any of our older gentlemen, I don't know why I'm looking at Rick, huh? <laughs> Low hanging fruit? I don't know. I'm sorry keep them on their toes you know Uh, (laughs) uh, clearly it's not like a 10 year old right right no it's it's a boy that he can pick up because he holds him in his arms and what does he do he sings to God he sings. And, and if you want to know how we know, it's because Luke is certain to record it as such because you see there's this indentation. And that's not just the editors of the Bible uh, printed in English. You say, you know what? This is a perfect place to indent. I think this is good. No, you can find this in the word of God traced all the way back to the very first century when Luke himself recorded it. He recorded it just like this. I can show you in my office that this is a song. If I whipped out my Greek Bible, that which traces its lineage all the way there. It's a song it is praise unadulterated praise and no it doesn't rhyme like ours and it may not have had a musical setting like ours but he praises God and he has some distinct words Lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word For my eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, God has fulfilled his promise that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. For here is this boy, a light for revelation. Not just to the Jews, but to all peoples. The Gentiles. The dogs is what the Jews would have called the Gentiles. The dogs. And for glory to your people Israel. This is big praise. This is deep praise. This is contemplative praise. This is praise that is culminating years and years of of wisdom and discernment that has been given uh, to Simeon from God by the Holy Spirit through worship and adoration of him. For how do we receive wisdom from God? It's not in seminary. That's a definition. It's not listening to Hillsong. You can just YouTube that. It's asking God. And he will give it to you generously and without reproach. And what is it that we do in worship? We praise and glorify God. We ask to know him more. How many times have we asked that he would reveal himself today? It's got to be quite a few. And he does. He's good and he's told us that he will and he reveals himself over and over. Time and time he's proved himself. We don't have to prove him. He proves himself right peace is established in praise unto God as we witness and see with eyes that can really see and ears that can really hear with souls that have been opened and scrubbed clean by God himself and so then we praise because we can do no other thing and in that moment There's an establishment of peace. But does that surprise you? Does that confuse you? If I were to ask you to write down what your definition of worship is and how often you do it, what would you say? And why? But we'll get back to that. Our fourth point is that peace is established despite opposition to God because as Mary and Joseph are coming, very ordinarily, as Simeon is beholding, but honestly quite ordinarily as he's walking in faith and even in hope knowing that God has revealed something to him so certain, so sure that it could be no other thing but this, that he will not perish until he sees God's Christ, that, that he is going in this way and that as he beholds God's Christ, the Lord Jesus, he praises God, these things are so ordinary and there's one more thing that is very ordinary and Simeon reminds Mary of it very soberly peace is established despite opposition to God verses 29 excuse me verses 33 through 35 as his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. Let's take the parenthetical out for a moment. This is Luke's, uh, Luke's easy way to show us that, that there's something going on. Is this Luke speaking? Is this Simeon speaking? Let, let's just take the parentheses and move them right here for a second. For a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Are you a follower of God, or are you not? The answer would be yes, depending on the context that you find yourself in. In Jerusalem, if I said, may God live forever and ever, we all love God. At this time, everyone would say, hear, hear, amen. But not all meant it. The crowd that followed Jesus and yelled, Lord, he has come. David is coming into his city and laid palms down. Just days later, screamed, crucify. Crucify. It's the same people. There is overlap. And there is overlap now. Hearts will be revealed. There is opposition. Jesus has many words on this. But if we think here for a moment. The fall and the rising of many. What does this mean? It, it, it means that it's mean that looks can be deceiving. You know? Isn't that so true in your life? Don't, don't, you, don't you resonate with that? That looks, looks in and of themselves can be deceiving. It's true here in the scriptures. This is a baby, but it's God's Christ. David was ruddy, a youth in the field. He was God's Messiah. Abraham had no land, but he was promised all the land. (laughs) Moses couldn't speak, but he's the prophet. That all others come after. He he couldn't speak. Think about that. He did not articulate. As a people here at Centennial. Would you call somebody who couldn't speak? Why? And why not? Be careful how you answer. Trick question, right? It's tricky. When we begin to think more deeply. Because what we see here with Simeon is a word of wisdom as the father and mother, as Joseph and Mary are marveling at the reality of what it is that's taking place. Because remember, Joseph and Mary have been marveling now of potentially for years as, as there are stars over the sky, right? And they're wondering, hey, is that a bright star over our house? You know, I mean, what is this, right? They're, they're, you know, the, the magi from the east aren't the only ones seeing the star. I mean, is, I mean, what are they, you know, what is this? Angels are appearing, not just to Mary, but to Joseph. Hey, I had a dream last night. Weird, me too. <laughs> what? What are we doing here? Not to mention the virgin birth. Wondering and wondering, storing up in the heart. Shepherds coming out of nowhere and praising their newborn infant Son. All of these things taking place Uh, years later in all likelihood if we follow the true context of the word gold and frankincense and myrrh being dropped off from from these magi, these magicians from the east and you're thinking would you like to stay the night? And so yet again they come to Jerusalem. Can't you hear the conversation? What do you think is going to happen today? You think we can kind of get in here? No, they've got some people to meet, Simeon, later Anna, the prophetess. But there are others too, others not yet known by Mary and Joseph. They would behold them later. Others that have already raised up and entrenched themselves in the leadership of the day. And I'm not talking about the secular leadership. Those who would profess a knowledge of the word but forsake it. Those who would profess a love of God but forsake it. Those families who did not find it so ordinary to go to Jerusalem. Who didn't. Who had not a care in the world. Those who were less privileged perhaps to not even know that God had called them to such things. No revelation at all at that time and at that point in their lives. All of these things bear out into a sobering reality that that there is opposition to God and that there has been since this revealing in Genesis 3 of this great problem that we have and the problem is much deeper than we like to think it is because we love to take a point like this and a passage like this and say, I know who this is about and then point that finger away from yourself showing yourself to be the very opposition in the process. Danger. Danger. As hearts are revealed, what is ordinary? What is not ordinary? Where do we find ourselves as we think about the fall and the rising of many in Israel, of those Gentiles who are far off, of the Simeons who have had it revealed to them and are moving in confidence, of the Marys and the Josephs all beginning to circle around the Lord Jesus and then there's that parenthetical statement that brings us back and bridges the gap from first to 21st century and a sword will pierce through your own soul also where in your soul do you need to be pierced? there's four easy categories I can think of obedience, revelation praise and or allegiance do you find it natural to obey god is it natural or unnatural for the christian who is growing in the lord jesus by the holy spirit it's hard but it's natural it's natural and not unnatural We fight against those things that God despises, because we ourselves have been given a spirit that despises those things that don't please God. Our desires have changed from the things of this world to to looking upon God. Families emphasize other things. People emphasize other things. The Christians emphasize God. That's why we love Christmas. That's because all of a sudden the world gets on board it's awesome we get to be ourselves a little more naturally in the world right but the same is true for revelation we don't have God speaking to us from the clouds uh, nor in dreams ordinarily but we do have his word and we desire such a relationship with God because we know that peace is established there because God by his Holy Spirit has given us something perhaps long ago, perhaps more recently, but, but what we typically call this is our testimony in the South. But really it's our conversion point where our testimony, uh, it, it started way back here as the Holy Spirit maneuvered us right where we needed to be. And as God begins to grow us from this conversion point, it's a point in our testimony where we are believing in the Lord Jesus. And as we do that, we move forward. desiring to know more always that's not a Sunday school attendance uh, a stump speech that's not a Sunday morning worship stump speech That's not a Bible study speech. That's not a circle speech. That's not a five minute devotion speech. That's a Christians are going to want to be about the things of God because they love God. And God has revealed himself in one place and one place only now, his word. And the church houses the word, which means that if you find yourself in a fellowship that does all those different things that I mentioned, in all likelihood, you're gonna desire to be there too it just is how it is it's ordinary or is it? or is it? but perhaps it's not obedience or revelation but praise itself why do you go to church? why? not what is? why do you go to church? there is an answer it's to glorify God That's the only answer. Everything else is secondary, period. Hear me well, for God is a jealous God and he does not, he will not condone anyone sharing his glory. We come to church to worship and praise God. But what is that for you? Why do we plant churches? Why do we evangelize? Why do I encourage you to invite your neighbors? Why does Rebecca take part in church planning like I do in different and various means? Why? It's not it's not just to see another church and it's not to see souls saved. Cliffhanger. It's for the glory of God. Because souls will be saved as we evangelize and plant churches. And as souls are saved, do you know what that does? It provides that much more glory unto God. It is the factor for the Christian. There is no more primary thing for the Christian than to glorify his or her God. It's what we teach our children. It's what we teach our parents. It's what we teach our grandparents. It's what grandparents teach children and grandchildren. It's what we do at work. It's what we do at play. It's what we do with friends. And it's what we do with enemies. It is the defining factor of the Christian. Not even obedience. But the desire to glorify God in what we do. For he alone deserves it, and he has deserved it from the very beginning before we existed. And he created us for one purpose only, to glorify him. And he can do that, even if it sounds offensive to you, because he is God. But God be praised even more because he doesn't have to be this for him to deserve all the things I just said. But God is good and merciful and truthful, and righteous, and loving to his creation. That doesn't need to exist for the requirement for glory to exist. But he sent his own son Jesus, it's Christmas time, because he knows we cannot do it on our own. He knows we don't stand a chance. And so he accomplishes the task for us, which only doubles, triples, and then multiplies over on itself the praise that we render unto God, which only doubles, triples, and multiplies over on itself the reality of our desire to see exactly what he's revealing. Because it sounds so ludicrous if it were not true which only doubles and triples and multiplies over on itself the reality of the desire to obey God, which only doubles and triples and multiplies over on itself the reality of the establishment of peace that God gives every single one of His people. A right relationship through the Lord Jesus that's not a feeling or a definition, but a foundation Not from the babe, but from the man on the cross who dies for you and me. That is peace, one that lasts. That's why Jesus slept on the boat and why his disciples had little faith. (laughs) But I have little faith too and it crushes me every day. Do you have peace? I can't answer with a lie. I'm not always at peace. Are you always at peace? But you know as God has revealed himself more and more to me. Maybe you might resonate or maybe this might provide a path for you. In obedience through his revelation in praise despite opposition from myself and others there are things that cannot be taken away from me not moments but realities that not wanting to sound philosophical or even hokey transcend time that that illuminate my own corruption and sin and that and that reveal a way forward that I want to share with others that, that, that helps me in a way that is almost indescribable until I read again that revelation he's given us and I see... With my own eyes, others doing the same thing but, but then perfectly, perfectly preserved for his people throughout time which gives me confidence then to say something like this which apart from the word would make no sense at all but with God's word, you see it. And if you are a follower of God, a believer in Lord Jesus, you know it. And if you have never experienced it and if you do not know it, Pray this prayer with me that we're about to pray. And if you have, pray this prayer that you're about to hear. Don't say it out loud. It doesn't have to be weird. But take it into your soul. For God is the only one who can answer such prayers. The world will trick you. Shoot into your veins something that will not last and only cause you to desire more. But God will give you super abundantly A peace that remains. So pray with me now. Oh God. Oh God please. Give me peace. Amen.